0: This is a bonus episode of The Upside, and it's stemming from something I talked about on my Instagram account, which is disordered eating, and I have never struggled with an eating disorder personally until recently, and I started having a lot of disordered thoughts about food and just recently realized that my relationship with food is not so great. So I called one of my dearest friends, Janair Goodwin-McCaro, because she is such a superstar in her field. She's a great friend of me and Jeff's, and she happens to have twenty over 20 years, I think, of experience. Um, She's a psychotherapist. She specializes in eating disorders, body image, depression, and women's issues. And there I was like, not only can we have kind of like girl talk, but you can bring in the professional side of this. And she is going to be joining me on this bonus episode of The Upside to talk about disordered eating. The Upside means living in gratitude, finding the positive in every experience, and helping other people do the same. You are now part of the movement. Welcome to The Upside with Callie and Jeff. Advisory Horde members get our bonus episodes early and ad free. If you want to join our advisory horde, text the word horde, H-O-R-D-E to 800-434-5454. And now I want to say thank you to this bonus episode's sponsors.
1: Skillshare offers classes designed for real life so you can move your creative journey forward without putting your life on hold. Much like uh, what Callie was just talking about, you do Skillshare classes in the comfort of your own house on your own schedule. You can even put your category in and pick classes whose length works with your schedule. All you have to do is go to skillshare.com slash upside and claim your two free months of premium membership. And then you've got access to thousands of courses in everything that you would want to know about, whether it's productivity, whether it's painting watercolors, whether it's choosing the right font for design, photography, anything. Fellow creatives are helping you with thousands of courses to choose from. Go to skillshare.com upside and get two months free of premium memberships.
0: I can't tell you how many times I've walked into a drugstore and thought, okay, today's the day I'm going to get the vitamins I need. And it seems so simple, right? But then you get to the vitamin aisle and you're bewildered because there's so many options. How do I know what's best for me? And honestly, how do I know what I need? Well, Care Of is going to take care of all of that for you and take the guesswork out of vitamins. You go to their website, takecareof.com, and you take a survey about your lifestyle, your health, and they will put together. They're individualized packets with your name on it that come in little daily packets just for you. You can throw them in your bag, head to work, not have to think twice about it. And when you're out of those, they'll ship another one right to your door. Make it easy on yourself order care of vitamins, go to take And when you enter the code upside 50 in there, they'll give you 50% off your first order. Again, that's take care enter the code upside 50 for 50% off your first care of order.
1: We've been sleeping on the elite Spartan by Brooklyn Bedding, which got delivered right to our door. We unpacked it and we watched it form into its full size shape. It was amazing. And we were confident having this delivered from Phoenix to us because they have a great guarantee and they stand behind their product. This mattress has individually encased coils and proprietary comfort foams with a smart fabric cover. The tight and cool fabric responds to individual body temperature to give you the perfect sleep environment. Trust me, this is some of the best sleep I have ever had. You will experience it too. And you can get a great price. 25% off every order with the promo code upside 25. When you go to brooklynbedding.com mattresses start at just $499, 25% off every order with upside 25 at brooklynbedding.com American owned and American made. They own the sleep solution because they own the factory.
0: Janair, welcome to the upside. Tell us a little bit, about your experience and your history and kind of what you do and who you treat?
2: So I am, I work at Atlanta Center for Wellness and I'm a partner in the practice. And we have two, I have two other partners, Afrat Lipton and Joey Pulley. And I've, I've, known these girls for 20, women for 20 years. (laughs) And we started out working at Ridgeview back in the day, the only inpatient unit in Atlanta at the time. So we have a private practice and we have 29 other clinicians that all have specialties. It's a huge practice. It's it's still very intimate. And we, everyone that works with us, all the practitioners, they're all people that we respect and they are all just experts and really incredible people, like good people, like really that we work with. But um, so we have 29 clinicians that have a specialty in eating disorders. We have registered dietitians and therapists and addiction. Um, We have addictionologists, we have um, relapse recovery groups, and we also have trauma uh, therapists that specialize in in EMDR and brain spotting and we treat pretty much across the whole span of life. We have child therapists and we Mm -hmm. treat adolescents and adults. And um, I particularly, I work with adolescent and adult women. I like working with women. I kind of kept my um, focus kind of tighter. So I just, I work with women, women's issues. So I work with a lot of eating disorders, but that's not all I work with. I work with depression and also just grief and loss and anxiety and things like that.
0: So I love this human and I'm so glad that she's here. And she really is one of those people in my life. She is such a calming presence to me every time that I'm around her. And I'm so glad that she agreed to do this because there's such a comfort level between us. And, you know, I think that's going to lend itself to some really open conversation. And I want to start by telling you kind of what I've been experiencing in the past two years and um, with dieting. So two years ago, I did a beach body diet and it was great. And I lost so much weight and everyone was telling me that I looked great and I felt really good, but there were things happening that I didn't associate at the time with negative things. I was like, Oh, I'm really structured. I'm really, cause, cause my coach would tell me, Oh, you're really disciplined. That's really good. And I was getting all this like positive reinforcement around how strictly I was following the diet. Then I stopped it. I gained a bunch of weight and I was really um, just, I was feeling really defeated about it. And then I started to notice as I paid more attention to my own brain that I was like a pre-programmed dog or something. And I've never been someone that's obsessed with my weight or anything like that. So I don't have really a background in that. But when I quit this diet, I noticed I felt like I was living in a cage surrounding food and eating specifically. It was never worth working out. And I started to look back on the diet and I would fight with Jeff about, you know, he would want to go out to eat. I'm like, I can't eat. I can't eat that at that time. And even after a year after I quit that diet, I still was found myself triggered by habits of that diet. And I was like, you know what? Somebody said something to me. was like, you might be struggling with disordered eating. And it's something that I wanted to talk about on here because I feel like you don't have to have a diagnosed eating disorder to struggle with food. And um, I think a lot of people might find that they struggle with it and they don't even know that it's a problem because it hasn't been identified,
2: you know? Mm -hmm. I mean, I think that your story I mean, perfectly captures the struggle of disordered eating. And I'll tell you honestly, most people that come into treatment and therapy do not do not have a diagnosis of an eating disorder. The majority of my clients do not fit specifically into a DSM diagnosed category for an eating disorder. So most of the people out there are people that are struggling with disordered eating. And like you said, it becomes um, it becomes like this mindset that is so rigid and it's an external, um, diet plan. I mean, everything is externally driven. So you're not, you're not like in touch with your body. Like you said, you would be in a meeting and all of a sudden you would look at your clock and you're like, Oh my God, I have to go eat. But it's, I always say too, that people who have disordered eating or eating disorders are like, disconnected from the mm-hmm. neck down. Like you're not in touch with your body at all. And it's just like you're walking around this head and just thinking everything's spinning out and spiraling. What should I eat? What am I going to eat? What am I not going to eat? What am I going to do? Because I just ate that food. How am I going to compensate for what I just ate? So it's very much like you're in your head. It's the psychological, I think, consequences of what happens when you're so rigid and you're and you're kind of like starving yourself too. So a
0: disordered eating is a thing.
2: It is a thing. It is a thing. It's a big thing. So I think the differences from disordered eating and an eating disorder are basically, honestly, they are pretty much the same behaviors except severity, intensity, and frequency. But pretty much, I think it's like, if you think about things in terms of being mild, moderate, um, severe, and extreme, I would say that Disordered eating is kind of more moderate and mild mm-hmm. in comparison to an eating disorder. And I'll tell you, I have an interesting analogy that my, my adolescents really enjoy listening to. But if you think about the classification of a tornado system, mm-hmm. you have an F0 to an F5 tornado. And if anybody's ever been in disordered eating or had an eating disorder, you realize it kind of feels like your mindset feels like a spinning. You're like mm-hmm. spiraling it's so intense. So if you think about, so let's say that an F zero is tinkering around with dieting. There's not a lot of, you know, you're eating still, you're not like starving yourself. Maybe you're not having a lot of psychological impact from Mm -hmm. it. Um, So that would be like an F zero. So if you look at an F five, which would be a full blown extreme eating disorder, that would be, for instance, I had a call the other day. Um, I'm not giving any confidential information here, but a loved one called about, um, a spouse called about their loved one who was five foot tall. And he said, she weighed anywhere between 40 and 45 oh my pounds. Gosh. Like that, that is a F five. Yeah, that would be really that extreme. That is like, you know, it's life threatening. It's dangerous. But so it just kind of, I think when you think about the I think about the spiraling effect, and you think about the tornado it has so much energy in it. And the more energy... The bigger, I guess, it just throws you off your
0: foundation. So, so if you're like an F1 or a, you know, someone that struggles with eating or disordered eating, what are some of the things that um, you might think about? Like, wh- how do you know if you're dieting? Because I have to say, so I, you know, full disclosure, I'm on Weight Watchers right now, and I rarely think about food. Like, I prep it for the week. I'm not stressed. I go to restaurants. I eat what I want. I have the cake. I do whatever, and that doesn't seem to be an obsessive problem for me right now. But other problems have been real triggers for me. Um, Other programs, just I think based on, I don't know, maybe the timing is what messed me personally up. But how do you know the difference versus casual dieting? And oh, wow, my thoughts, this might not be healthy.
2: You know, I, I think that if something, if you have this externally driven plan for eating, And it's taking you away from your own natural body's signaling that tells you, "I'm hungry now." Right now, it's like you know, people that are in recovery are people that eat normally. Mm -hmm. They're in touch with their—it's called their interceptive awareness. They're Mm -hmm. in touch with their bodily sensations of hunger and fullness, and they eat when they're hungry, and they stop when they're full. So, if something is taking you so externally outside of your own
0: body, you're just really, really quite disconnected from it. It's either like undereating or overeating, but like being totally off track of wait, am I even hungry right now? Like, why would I eat when I'm not hungry? Or why would I, you know, restrict myself? You know, not eat when I am hungry. I think that sometimes when people are doing
2: disordered eating and dieting all the time and then they get into an eating disorder, I think that's when you have to pause and take a step back when you don't even know your body's signals anymore. Like, I don't even know when I'm hungry. Or sometimes when I'm eating or say this, I've been restricting for so long. I've been so wound up so tight there's a thing that happens. I mean, people have like a rebound effect and they'll binge. I mean, there's certain behaviors. So if you're going to, if you think about like a spring and you tighten that spring up so tight and you let it go and it recoils, that's what happens with people when they're so rigid with eating disorders or disordered eating, they're not flexible. Like one thing that really sticks out in your story to me is when you said that you, um, Wouldn't go out to dinner with like Mm -hmm. friends, or you and Jeff were getting into arguments about not being able to eat normal meals. I think that when you are in disordered eating, if you think about the word dis, it's like disconnection. Mm-hmm. You're not only disconnected from your body, you're disconnected from your loved ones. If you go out to a meal, you're thinking about, oh my God, what am I going to eat? Oh my God, I just ate that. How am I going to get rid of it? I'm going to go work out. Oh my God, I feel so guilty. I just ate that. That wasn't in my plan. It's like yeah. you're, you're, in your, you're in your head and you're not connecting you're not in your body you're not connecting you're not you know if you've ever been with someone they're on their phone or you're talking to someone on the phone yes and they're
0: on the computer yes they're not with you no you're like hello like what yeah. planet are you on like I'm right here yes
2: yeah I think that that's what happens total when sense. people have disordered eating or an eating disorder you're not truly with them and I think that we say that you're kind of if you're in a relationship it's kind of like you're having a relationship with that person and they're eating disorder or their disordered yeah. Eating. Yeah, that's
0: fascinating. I think so many of us do this. And I think um, we don't even realize that we're doing it almost like you have to sometimes stop and say, well, for me, it was I feel like a prisoner of eating habits. You know what I mean? My whole life revolves around these habits. And that's not healthy. Not only that, but um, it doesn't serve me. It doesn't make me happy. I don't want to spend that much of my life thinking about food. you know, it just it is so it takes so much away from your life. And, um, you know, it, it's hard too when people are like, you look great. And you, you know, you're like, well, I feel great because I actually did feel great. But it was at the expense of, a little bit of my social life, my sanity, my relationship with my husband. You know, he said to me at one point, he's like, Callie, I just want to have a meal with my wife. Like, you know, this is this is an issue. I mean,
2: it, think about it, it. It diminished the quality of your life. I mean, the most important thing about, about life is connecting and thriving in the world. And I mean, it took you away from all of those things. And I'm like, mm-hmm. so, I mean, that, that's a big thing too. Is it's if it's causing problems and it's diminishing the quality of your life, it's just time to like pause and get curious. Like, okay, what is what is driving this right now? Right. So you know, in the eating disorder, that's a great world, question.
0: What is driving this? What is yeah. driving
2: this? We always say, like, with disordered eating or eating disorder, eating disorders really aren't about food; it's about something so much deeper. Mm-hmm. So when you go do the work, like you know, you go to therapy and you go do the work, you're gonna un- you're gonna unravel and get to the core of what is underneath all that. And it becomes a place where you're you're healing your relationship with your food, but you're healing your relationship with yourself mm-hmm. and your body and your loved ones. And then for a lot of people, when they get to the core of what's beneath, they find that there's unresolved trauma and yeah. there's anxiety and there's depression.
0: Yeah, is it possible for certain people to do diets and be totally unaffected by them, and just kind of like, oh yeah, this is good for me, and for it to actually be healthy? Gosh, this this is such a good question, um, and I'm kind of
2: excited to answer it. But um, so, you know, research has indicated. I mean, that 95% of diets do not work. And what happens with people is they're like, oh my God, my diet, I'm such a failure. My diet didn't work. But it's really diets don't work. You're not the failure. Diets just don't, they don't work in general. Most people gain the weight right Because back. they're not sustainable is yeah, what you're saying. Yeah, they're not sustainable. They'll, they'll gain it back and then they'll gain more weight. Um, Which is exactly what I did. I know, and it, yeah. and you know what you said too. I'm mean, going I know I'm gonna jump around. I'm so jump sorry. around. But you were saying people are like, oh, you look so great, and you look so good, and I call that like eating disorder like fuel. It oh is. God. it just yeah, it fuels it. And then when you like when you start gaining the weight back, people don't say anything. You're like, oh, it kind of just like hurts. It does. You, know? you feel kind of not ashamed, but kind of like oh. So, in the re- eating disorder recovery world, we advocate uh, for intuitive di- intuitive eating. It's an anti
0: dieting framework. I have heard a lot about that, and yes. people are starting to talk about it a lot now. Yes. Um, because I feel like we're we're definitely not getting out of diet culture, but I feel like a lot of people have look to intuitive eating, which is what? It is the framework in which we teach our clients. I mean, it. this they wrote the book,
2: this particular book that we um, use, it's Evelyn Triboli and Elise Re- Resch. And they wrote this book in 95 and they keep- And it's f- literally called intuitive eating. Intuitive okay. eating. And they're both like into, they're both into meditation and mindfulness. But, um, the first it's not, it's not, there's no rules involved in intuitive eating. They're just paradigms and it's fluid and it kind of flows. But the first principle is rejecting the diet mentality. Cause we are, we are just, I mean, it's all around us. Mm-hmm. It's everywhere we look and it's hard to not get in, impacted by it. So that's the first principles. And there's, a, there's 10 principles to it. But some people, when I tell them, I talk to clients about them, they're like, what are you talking? about like
0: living a life without a diet. Yeah. Cause some, I mean, for some people it's jumping from one diet to another or dieting all the time. And I think culturally we're obsessed with times we're obsessed with not taking a second to say, am I really hungry? Or when am I full? That's another one. I am so guilty of that of overeating because it's sitting in front of me and I'm not paying attention to my body at all. Yeah. I mean, most
2: people, most people really don't. Most people don't. Um, you know, I think like I, you know, I have a daughter and I'm teaching, I, I teach her everything in, in, our family is like a scale from zero to 10. So I'm like, so I'm trying to teach her hunger fullness and I'll, and I check in with her. I'm like, how are you feeling right now? Are you got a five yet? Five is like neutral. And then six is like, I'm feeling a little bit, I can feel my stomach getting fuller. And then six and seven is satisfaction. And then like 10 is like, I feel helpful. bad. Yeah. <laughs> So I'm kind of trying to teach her to to look inward and connect with your body and to listen to your body.
1: Mm-hmm. But
2: I think that unfortunately for people who are have been dieting and ha- who have disordered eating and an eating disorder, it's important to like seek you know like treatment. Have a yeah. partner to in in a clinical partner, a diet registered dietitian or a therapist that works with eating disorders to help you kind of get back to the place of being in touch with your body, because most people are not in touch with their body for a really long time. Yeah. Once they go into recovery.
0: So if you're thinking, if someone's listening to this and thinking, I think that I have either a crappy relationship with food or borderline unhealthy or disordered eating is like really hitting home with me. What's the next step for someone like that?
2: I mean, I feel like if if someone has been in that place in their life and they're just swinging from one side, they're like restricting and then they're binging and they're going back to dieting and they're just going back and forth and back and forth and it's causing pain and suffering in your life. I mean, I think it's important to find, a. you have to find, it's important to find a um, specialized eating disorder therapist, someone who has a lot of experience, who works He really specializes and understands what that recovery process is is about. And then the there are dietitians like where I work, we have we have actually four um, registered dietitians that work with eating disorders. So that would be, it's, it's kind of a creating a team of professionals, a partnership that kind of just are there to support you in your process of getting to know
0: your body again. So, what a diet, this is a really weird question I was not planning on asking, but what do dietitians do? Kind of help you get some stability around your
2: eating and some understanding. And then from there, it'll evolve to kind of intuitive eating. But I think in the beginning, it's kind of like, okay, like let's get some structure around how you're going to eat. Some people don't even know what to eat. People have no idea how to structure their food. So they're eating chaotically. Um, and also, you know, we haven't talked about this piece is that, you know, eating disorders and disorder eating can be a way of coping with really difficult feelings, mm-hmm. coping with life. Like, you know, some people use – alcohol and drugs and Mm -hmm. some people use food and then you're also going to start learning to your listening to your body's cues and signals and then i think the therapy piece is you're going deep you're figuring out why are you using food as a way to numb some people even associate their feelings of happiness with food like they're hungry like i someone might have a feeling of excitement, but they're like, I'm not hungry right now, but I want to eat. So I think the biggest piece is having a therapist help you raise your awareness about what feelings you associate with food sometimes, yeah. that trigger yeah. you want to eat.
0: Yeah. It's, that's it's fascinating. Maybe I'm like, I need a dietitian. <laughs> I mean, I have an amazing therapist. You do. And that's the other... Um, The other question that I have, and this is a really hard one for me to answer, but as someone in the field, you might have it because Jeff and I are very open about going to therapy and we both go to therapy on the clock and it's really changed both of our lives. The biggest question that we get is, how do I find a therapist? And it's hard for me to answer and hard for Jeff to answer because we both found our current therapists through friends. And if you're in an environment where therapy isn't an accepted thing or you don't have a supportive environment... A lot of people say, I don't know where to start. I'm going to have to go, you know, with not the support of my family. None of my friends go to therapy. How do you find that? I've heard people say psychologytoday.com is really good. um, But how would you if you don't have anyone in your life? that's going to therapy, what's the best way to dive in? Your insurance company? There's referral.com. And there's also- Eating disorder referral. So that can be, is that just for Atlanta or anyone in the country it's listening? anyone
2: in the country okay. also. And then the biggest one is today.com, But that can be really overwhelming. overwhelming. Yeah. But I think like what you said, asking friends, I think that's a big one. And, you know, like in, in our practice, we have 29 therapists. So- When people call, we're grassroots. Like I literally answer the phone at where I work. Yeah. I answer all the calls. So I'm kind of like the matchmaker and help people find the right referrals. But I think asking
0: your friends and finding a good practice. Yeah. Yeah. And you might, I mean, we say this all the time, but finding a therapist that you connect with is kind of like dating. I mean, it may not be the first person. And I think when you find the right person, it's, it's someone that you are comfortable with.
2: So yeah, you know, I want to say that For people who are giving up kind of the diet mentality and trying to get back to living in their body and connecting with their body, one of the biggest things, um, you know, is maybe for some people it might be scary. So doing it with like a, a therapist could be really helpful because if you've been depriving yourself, there is a rebound effect that happens for people. If they've been so rigidly wound up and then they start eating foods again, you can kind of feel out of control and and feel like you're kind of binging a little bit. And
0: lost. Yeah. You almost feel really like you're lost and you don't know.
2: Yeah. And and it can be really scary. So doing that that with a partner is really nice. But I think that when you work in recovery, it's like you're slowly introducing all these foods that you are fearful of and what happens is and you're doing it oh, that's slowly. That's interesting. Yeah, well, you know it's it's like exposure therapy. Mm-hmm. But what happens is you're habituating. You'll eventually habituate. When you give yourself permission, it's like the permission paradox. When you give yourself permission to eat a cookie, like you you might like have a little deprivation rebound. Like you might eat you might have to eat a couple cookies, maybe the whole plate of cookies for a while for some people. But then it like loses his excitement. Like, oh, I can eat a cookie anytime.
0: You can eat brownies. I'm like about to cry. I really am like tearing up right now because that is something I can't remember the last time that I didn't struggle with that. Is that the funniest thing? Like I and it for me, it's really it's not about the body. Like I don't look in the mirror and like if I eat a whole plate of cookies right now, it's not about for me about, oh, I'm going to go look in the mirror and pick myself apart. Like that's not what I feel. What I feel is, oh my gosh, how shameful are you that you just ate a whole plate of cookies? So it's funny that you're saying this stuff. You know, that's, oh my gosh, the freedom of eating intuitively
2: and giving yourself permission, even writing yourself a little permission note. Like yeah. you're allowed to eat this. It's There's so much freedom. There's, like, there's so much freedom in that. And And, you know, you talking about having guilt and shame, that's because so often in our culture, it's called the morality of food. Food is good and food is bad. And people, when they eat something that is bad, they feel bad. They feel shame. They feel guilty. But really, if you think about it, food is neutral. It's your thoughts and feelings about the food. Mm -hmm. It really is. So, you know, when we have people go into recovery, it's like food is neutral. Yeah. Food is neutral. Food is just That is a
0: crazy thing to think about. I literally can't even imagine being in that headspace. That's so, this has totally changed. I mean, I thought that I knew what we were going to talk about going in, but that really hit me. Wow. It's pretty mind blowing. When we have kids, you're a mom, how do we help our kids and how do we stop this food is good or bad thing? for the next generation. You know what I mean? Without, is it, Hey, I don't know how to, how to do that by myself. Like I want to, you know, see a child psychologist to work with someone to figure out how I, I don't pass that food judgment on to children. Cause I think, um, you know, I think you told me this one time that you see kids with eating disorders or disordered eating as young as how i mean it can be really young
2: they're learning it from their moms
0: right and their dads and you know i love this
2: question so much because i i'm like I, my great-grandmother dieted my grandmother dieted my mother dieted and she didn't know better yeah but I honestly and like this is this is makes me a little bit cry but I'm stopping that legacy in my family yeah I mean I want to teach Vivian to listen to her body and I'll t- I never say anything bad about my own body
0: in front of her Never. Yeah.
2: I never tweet I'll talk about diets in my family no, there's no diet talk there's no body talk do you guys do any you have to finish your plate or not I don't that. I don't do that because I that I I think that what happens is people get in a power struggle with their kids mm-hmm. and it doesn't become about the food it becomes about power and control so that's that's a big one for parents like well well I they have to eat I mean, in the book of intuitive eating, they talk about how children, like little toddlers, if you've ever seen them eat, they're such intuitive eaters. Like they'll have a little plate of food. They'll have like a couple carrots and some grapes yes. and some protein on a cookie. They'll eat like half the cookie and they'll just like pick around. And then they're
0: full and they get up and go play. Oh my gosh, yes. That I mean, makes so much sense. So we're teaching the negative yeah. behavior. yes, yeah, like, Inadvertently.
2: Inadvertently. You know, you know, when parents like talk about their, bash their bodies in a negative way, mm-hmm. like kids learn that they're picking up on that, but being, you know, teaching kid balance and Oh, one thing we talk about in the eating disorder world, we talk about foods being productive and p- foods being fun. So foods are about, you know, having proper nutrition and eating, you know, so you could live to be a hundred years old, but food is also meant to have pleasure with and have fun with. yeah. So I'm just teaching Vivian like, oh, you you feel like eating some playful, fun food right now? Okay, that's cool. So that's how I'm kind of trying to teach her. I'm not
0: trying to teach her like good and bad foods, no. Right. Which is really, I think that's something that we do without even thinking about it because we just, it's kind of what's in our heads and I don't think we realize kind of what we pass that on to our kids. I don't remember my mom, Dieting, but I remember like I thought it was so cool that she used to drink. Do you remember Slim Fast when yes. that was a thing in the yes. 90s? Like yes. I remember that. I'm like, oh, she drinks cool milkshakes. <laughs> like, you know, and I have those memories. Um, as a kid. And I wasn't in a house that was super um, you know, my parents work out, they've always worked out, but they never, you know, really, I don't know. I just never thought about it um until I was an adult. And I am so scared of passing that on when we have kids. Um the bad habits. I don't want to pass on the bad habits. Yeah. Janair, thank you. So oh welcome. my gosh. You're the most amazing human. So um, thank you so much. And if uh, you have a website. Yes. Atlantacenterforwellness.com. We will link Wellness.com in our show notes. Janair, thank you so much for joining us. I am so grateful to you. Thank you for listening to The Upside with Callie and Jeff please make sure you've subscribed so you never miss an episode
1: of The Upside.